So it's good to be with you all this morning, as I said once again. And, um, you know, we, we, we were looking at a, at a series where we just got out of called Transformed. And we were bouncing off some scripture in the book of Romans. And we'll look a little bit more at the book of Romans. Um, and, and I had some, some folks come to me this morning and said, boy, there's, there's so much in that book of Romans. It's just, it's so much. I mean, you really, I, I, I could, if you were stranded on an island with just the book of Romans... Um, I, I believe you would find salvation and everything that's there for life and godliness is right in the book of Romans. Um, and I get that. I understand that there's so much truth in that, so much truth in that. But we're going to start another maybe series of talks in, in, in the next couple weeks. And I'm, I'm not really sure how long it's going to go. We'll have to see what we get accomplished. But it's, it's called You Can't Handle This. And you can't. And, and, and if I could say it like you want me to say it, you can't handle this, right? How many know what I'm talking about? You know, you know the movie, right? A Few Good Men, right? What can't you handle? The truth. You can't handle... I want the truth! You can't handle the truth, right? Jack Nicholson, you all know what I'm talking about. A lot of you. Um, there's a, a funny little video that I'd like to show you. Um, If you watch enough movies, some of that starts to influence your life and your relationships. Um, And Tim Hawkins has taken the liberty of of agreeing with that. Or maybe I agree with him. But uh, we have a real quick short video to show you this morning. And I hope you get a kick out of it like I did. If you remember the scene from A Few Good Men, see what he does with this. Jaden, you might have to hit play on that. Need help? I got you. I got you. I think we can just... There we go. And here we go. That's it. But my wife and I, that's the thing we love to do. We love to watch movies together. We got this thing, this Netflix. You got Netflix, y'all? It's awesome, man. We watch all the time. But it's too much. We're watching too many movies because it's starting to influence our arguments. It's so strange. She walks in the other day. Hey, um, uh, did you leave your underwear on the bathroom floor? Uh, are those your underwear on the bathroom floor? I hope so. <laughs> That's a whole other conversation we need to have if it is. <laughs> I want to know, did you leave her? I don't, what do you want from me? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. <laughs> Honey, we live in a world where men leave their underwear on the bathroom floor and those underwear have to be picked up. Who's going to do it? You, the kids? I have a greater responsibility than you can possibly fathom. You weep over my hands. You curse my fruit of the looms. You have that luxury. You have the luxury of not knowing what I know, that my laziness, while tragic, probably saved lives. <laughs> And my undergarments, while grotesque and incomprehensible to you, save lives. You don't want the truth because deep down in places you don't talk about at parties. You want them on that floor. You need them on that floor. (laughs) We men use words like boxers, briefs, whitey tidies. You use them as a punchline. I wish you'd just say thank you and be on your way. Otherwise, pick up your own underwear and stand to post. Either way, I really don't care what you think you are entitled to. (laughs) 
Did you leave? You're going right, I did. <laughs> well, pick them up. Okay. <laughs> That's how we do it. One foot, boom. Never seen a Kit Kat bar do that, have you? No, you haven't. That's a skill, ladies and gentlemen. You'll get the next one. Y'all can send me emails on that. That's fine. (laughs) There are things in your life that you think you can handle, right? And there are other things that you may think you can handle that you obviously can't handle. Um, And that's the thrust of this message series, that there are things that you can't handle. And we're going to be looking at a few different truths this morning even. And, and if, you're, if you're familiar with this life at all, if you've lived a few years is what I'm trying to say, um, there are some foundational truths that come from God and God's word and, and we get all of that. Uh, but there is also an enemy that is at work in this world and wants to influence your life. Can we agree with that this morning? There is an enemy that wants to, uh, that has really one motive in three parts to steal, kill, and destroy anything that's godly, anything that God wants to accomplish. This enemy that's, that prowls around like a lion, although with no teeth, has a loud roar and a loud influence and can be heard even by sometimes the strongest Christian. And, and he wants to manipulate you and your spiritual enemy wants nothing more than to hurt you and to come after you and to make you think certain things like, I, I can't handle this, so I might as well give up. There are things in your life that the enemy will come right at you. There are other things when he'll go behind the scenes and work behind the scenes and, and have you realize that, you know what, maybe I, maybe I can't handle this. No matter how hard you work to try to please God, you will never, ever, ever think that you're good enough. You will, he will come at you and tell you you don't have what it takes. And that's the theme of today's message in this grander series of talks, but that you can't handle this. He's in, and the enemy will come at you and say, you don't have what it takes. You do not have what it takes. In fact, I'm going to try and go back to that there. He'll say, you know what? You don't have what it takes. You're not good enough. You're just not good enough. And even though you might admit, well, you know what? I'm not going to be good enough. You know, your spiritual enemy is going to use this. He'll take this truth. And there is some truth in that statement. You're you're not good enough. (laughs) Newsflash. Just when you get up on your high horse and you think, oh, you know, I'm really something. Let me me tell you this morning, you're not good enough. But let me translate what that means in in the eyes of God and in the eyes of the enemy. The enemy will try to beat you down and talk you out of what God wants for your life. Um, You know, he'll he'll hear it like this. Oh, well, you want to make a difference in church? Who do you think you are? You're not good enough for that. Oh, oh, you want to maybe lead a class or teach a certain... You want to be maybe involved with the kids or the youth. Um, you know what you'll hear? You know, you want to... You, you, you're, not, you're not good enough for that. Oh, come on. I, I, I don't know much about the Bible, but... And, and the enemy comes right at you and says, Oh, no, you're not there yet. You're not good enough. 
As soon as you start, someone's going to ask you a question and you might say the wrong thing. You might lead them down the wrong road. You are not good enough. And the enemy says, yeah, you're not good enough. So don't even try. You know you're not spiritual enough to lead anybody. I mean, the devil will tell you. I mean, who do you think you are? You know, you think, you, you think you've arrived, you think you know certain things, but, and then you get stumped by a question. You let a, you let a third grader ask you a question you don't have the answer to. Well, that will humble you in a second, right? What did God mean when he said, and you're like, oh, I don't know. The third grade. I should know more. I'm, I'm not good enough for this. And the enemy will tell you, you know what? You're right, you're not good enough. You want to be a witness to somebody at work. Oh, well, you know, they, they know you. <laughs> they know your past. They know about some of your problems and some of the things that you worry about. You could never be a good witness. You're not good enough for that. You want to be a bold Christian leader in, in, your, in your circle of influence, right? Your friends and your community of friends that you have. And you know what? You want to, maybe you want to say, you know what? I'm a Christian and I want people to know about it. But you know what? They're going to watch you in a fishbowl and wait for you to screw up and say, see, you're not good enough. Don't even try. And the enemy will come at you and say, you know what? You're not good enough. You're not good enough. And one of the things that I had to recognize in order to be all that I know that God wants me to be, I need to recognize the things that I will never be. One of the things that I will never be is good enough. I will never get there. I will never be good enough. And it's not bad news this morning. Church, I didn't come to encourage you and say, you're not good enough, go home. (laughs) That's not what we do here. And that's not what God wants you to hear this morning. When we start to see that through God's eyes, in fact, to recognize that I can't please God by my works, I can't do enough, I can't earn enough, I will never be good enough, I will never be enough. My works can't free me when I serve Him, uh, not out of, I, can't, I can't gain His approval enough, but instead out of the approval that I have in Jesus Christ. In fact, you look at some of the greatest examples and leaders in Scripture, I want to go through some of those. You're going to see some people that recognize that they would never, ever, ever be good enough. We're going to look at a bunch of scripture this morning. And one thing I want to be clear in is that we're not looking at a bunch of scripture to prove this point. We're going to look at scripture to let God prove his point to us. All right. It's very important that we get that straight. You okay with that? All right. Turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 18. If you have it, say amen. You have Genesis 18 already? Because I had it up there, didn't I? All right, Genesis 18, not Tim Hawkins. You can't handle it. You can't handle this life, trust me. You cannot handle this life. And you are not good enough. But let's look at a few people. In Genesis 18, 27, we see Abraham, um, who, who didn't say, hey, I'm the man. Instead, he said this. Before God, he said, God, I am nothing. Read this. Abraham spoke up again, the conversation he's having with the Lord. Now that I have been so bold as to speak to the Lord, though, say it with me, I am nothing but dust and ashes. Doesn't get more humble than that. (laughs) I am nothing but dust and ashes. That's Abraham. Y'all know the song, right? How many been VBS? Father Abraham. Y'all know. Abraham. Kind of an important guy in the life of our faith, right? Abraham said, you know what? I'm nothing but dust and ashes. I don't have what it takes. I'm going to lead these people. I have nothing. I'm nothing but dust and ashes. 
Isaiah, flip over to Isaiah real quick. Remember Isaiah, another critical person in the life of the believer and in the life of our faith. Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 5. Isaiah says, when he saw God, he said, oh man, woe to me, I cried. (laughs) Read that with me. I am ruined. For I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Isaiah said, man, I don't have what it takes. There's no way I'm good enough. Fast forward a few thousand years, Luke. Luke chapter 5, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees. Peter, when he saw Jesus do the miracle of this miraculous catch of fish, Peter said to Jesus, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. Maybe I should have had those words roll off your lips. We're not good enough. Let's do one more. Timothy. The book of 1 Timothy. Paul writes in 116, he says, Jesus came to save. Now Paul, right? Abraham. Paul in the New Testament. The Apostle Paul who would write two-thirds, maybe a little more of the New Testament. <clears throat> the Apostle Paul said this to his friend Timothy. He writes, Jesus came to save sinners. And I think we can all say amen to that. And he said, "Who, of whom I was the worst. The worst of sinners, Paul said he was. And we call Paul what? The Apostle Paul, right? I think the Apostle Paul. Good night, he's, he's Paul. He's the Apostle Paul. Apostle. He said, you know what? I'm the chief of sinners. I am the worst of the sinners. I'm the least one deserving of the grace of God. So what does that say to us? What does that say about us? What does God's word say to us? Well, maybe there's someone that's that's good enough. Maybe there's someone that's worthy. Maybe there's someone that can handle it. Maybe there's someone that would be good enough. I want you to turn over to the book of Romans. How many know we love Romans? Go to Romans chapter 3 and go to verse 23. And the book of Romans says this, if you think you're good enough, the book of Romans chapter 3.23, we can walk down part of what we call in the faith the Romans road. It says this, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All. The most righteous person in this room this morning has sinned and falls short of the glory of God. If you just look around this morning, don't, I probably shouldn't. But if you just look around this morning, you think, well, that, they have it together. I know that they have it together. That's the most spiritual person that I know in this room. Even that person has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You, you, you can't handle this and you're not good enough. We fall short of God's standard. And for many of us, when our spiritual enemy starts to tell us you're not good, at, you're not good enough, he takes the truth and uses it in a way so that he brings condemnation on us. And many of us slip into the performance trap, right? We need to do more. We need to do more. We need to do better things. We need to do things 
we take this idea that if we could only do a little more, if we could only be a little bit better, that's why many of us are, are perfectionists in our lives because we start to feel a false sense of pride or security when we're doing the right things, when we're performing well. And we also feel a sense of condemnation when, or guilt when we don't perform well. We slip into this thing called the performance trap, right? We think, I need to do more. I need to get involved more. I need to show God that I'm, that I'm, I'm worthy, that I'm good enough. Speaking of the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul, in all that he's done, um, might have found himself from time to time thinking, man, I'm doing so much, and here I am in chains, or I'm doing so much. I want to look at the book of Philippians this morning. Flip over the, to the Philippians. <laughs> Flip to the Philippians chapter 3. Paul no doubt, is is writing to the church in Philippi and says uh, in verse 4, Paul kind of gives us what you might call his resume of righteousness, right? Paul kind of gives us his resume of righteousness. In other words, he's going to say, if there was anyone who was ever good enough, it might, might be me. Paul has a lot to, I mean, he can, would it be safe to say if Paul was sitting in this room, we would look to him and say, obviously, he's got, he's the most righteous man in the room. He's the Apostle Paul. Paul would say, if anyone was good enough, it would have been me. I'll show you how righteous I am. And here's what he said. Yet, although I could have confidence in my own effort, if anyone could, if anyone has confidence in my own effort, it would be me. Indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. Now, Paul's not up on his high horse and bragging here. He's about to, he's about to admit some things. In fact, he says, before he admits a few things, he says, you know what? I, I was circumcised when I was eight days old. Paul says, I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin. Paul could trace his roots back. I'm a member of the tribe of Benjamin. A real Hebrew if there ever was one. I remember of the fair, I'm a member of the Pharisees. And the people that were, were gathered around there would be like, you know what? He's a Pharisee. They've, they've got it together. And he says, you know, I, I, was, I was circumcised when I was eight days old. Have been, I've been born into the pure-blooded Jewish family that's a branch of the tribe of Benjamin. Basically, he's saying, you know what? In our day, he said, you know what? My granddaddy was Billy Graham. Look at my pedigree. My granddaddy was Billy Graham on my dad's side, and Mother Teresa was my grandmother on my mom's side. <clears throat> that's kind of the equivalent of what he's saying here. He's saying, look at my pedigree. Look what I have. Look at anybody. I come from the greatest spiritual line of ancestors that you could imagine. I mean, if Paul did an ancestry thing and he, he did the spit thing and sent it away, it would come back and we would look at that and go, whoa, this is pretty impressive. We find third and fourth cousins that live in wherever. He would say, there's the tribe of Benjamin. That's me. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to Jewish law. I mean, though people back then would have said, you know what, yeah, the Pharisees, okay. He was a member of the Pharisees. That's a blow-away kind of statement to make. The Pharisees followed 613 commandments and rules. You know what, he said, you know what, Paul says, I was never accused of breaking any of them. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. 
I obeyed the law without fault. All of the laws that the Pharisees had, 613 plus, Paul said, I obeyed that law without fault. If there's anyone who has reason to put confidence in their works, Paul says, you know what, it's me. I was under the performance trap, Paul says. I did it. I was performing. I did it. Look at all my pedigree. Now, how does that play out today in our, in our world, in, in the world? How do you experience the, this works, righteousness, performance mentality? There's a couple ways. There's a first way you can get into this performance trap, which Paul says, you know what? Hey, look at me. The first way we can kind of slip into that is that we attempt to please God by following a bunch of rules. Paul was a Pharisee. He said, I had 613 plus rules and I followed them without fault. And then we attempt to please God by following a bunch of rules. Now, it's, it's a false standard of measurement because the rules vary depending on what group of Christianity you're a part of. Right? Paul was a member of the Pharisees. There were other divisions of his faith. But depending on which group of Christianity you're about, some people would say, you know what? Um, I feel good about God and God must feel good about me because of what I do. Some people would say, do more for God and, and you'll earn a spot. When others would say, well, I feel better about God and my relationship with him based on what I don't do. So th- some people would say, I do all this stuff. Look what I do for God. And others would say, look what I refrain from to gain righteousness with God. Oh, I don't do those things. And, and you know, I must be okayed with God because, you know, I've done these things. I've prayed today. Or I serve in the church. Or I gave money. Or I witnessed to somebody. You know, they're on, they're on the side of the road and they witness to somebody. Hey, Jesus loves you. And that's their witness. And they keep on driving. And I must be okay with God because of the things that I do. The Apostle Paul would say, look at all these things. But then some other people would say, I need to justify my relationship with God based on the things that I don't do. You know, well, I don't, at least I don't sin like they do, God. Of course I find better favor in your eyes because I'm not them. Anybody ever known someone like that growing up? Don't raise your hands or point to anybody in the room, but anybody ever known someone like that in your, in your Christian life where they say, you know what? Well, at least we're not like them. Well, I don't sin like they do, and I'm right with God because I only listen to K-Love. I put K-Fluff on the radio, and that's all that's on there. All my presets are set to it. All of them. How many know they can truly find out what kind of spiritual condition someone is in if you get in their car and you start hitting their presets? Come on, church, right? Pull your feet in. Caleb, oh, it's on this one. You go over to this one, Ozzy's Boneyard. Anybody know Ozzy's Boneyard? Nobody admits that in church. Thanks, Dave. I appreciate that. <laughs> but some of you know, you know, you, you, there, there's this thing. You know, I'm right with God because I don't watch certain movies. I'm right with God because. Uh, you know, I don't watch rated R or maybe even PG-13 movies where there's going to be some, some sexual stuff in there. I don't watch that. The violence is fine. But all that other stuff, no, I can't watch that. And some of you would say, you know what, there's, there's things that I don't do, things that I refrain from. I, 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 don't, I don't go to certain places. I don't, I don't 
take part in certain um, certain activities. I don't go to certain concerts. I don't go to certain restaurants. I, I know you don't go to Hooters, but only when the wings are on sale. Only when they're on sale, and I only go for the wings. Other than that, I do not do that. I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't chew, and I don't run with girls who do. And so because of what I do or what I don't do, that makes me right with God. That's what a lot of people think. We attempt to please God by following a bunch of rules. Do this or don't do that. And then we feel far from God eventually and we feel bad we're in the performance trap. We're in the performance trap. Secondly, we start to believe that my worth is based on what I produce and how I perform. We believe that our value and worth with God or even other people is based on what we produce or how we perform. God, how can I be good enough? Whatever the little tricks you were to kind of get, like I used to, when I was a kid, we rode a lot of bikes, you know, we went out, we went what's called outside, okay? Some kids don't know what that is today, but we went outside, and we had like a bike, right? And we rode around on our bikes, and I've told you about my, my bike experiences in the past. But you know, you, you, you try and get people's attention, right, to, to perform different tricks. Anybody with me in the BMX days? right? Come on. You know, you kind of, you ride your bike and you do a certain trick or you do a flip out there. Or you stick your foot in the, and you kind of do these tricks. How many built ramps out in front of their house? Anybody build ramps? Good night. The uns- If I saw that built, my kids was like, I'm going to go there. No way. No way. We'd stack bricks, bricks up, 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 get a two by four or something we found somewhere in some scrap yard. Questionable, sketchy at best. And we'd do what we could to make the ramps, right? And we would try to jump this or jump that. Man, if I, we used to jump kids. <laughs> right? Some of you did it. Tony, lay down on the ground. I'm going to get a running start. I'm going to jump you. Tony did it. Okay. Sketchy two by four, pile of bricks. Me and my BMX bike with no seat. And here I come, man. Tony's like, here he comes. What are we thinking? And just a moment, my buddies would be watching, right? I'm like, guys, look at me. I'd miss the ramp, run over Tony's legs, and flip over the handlebars. Anytime the pressure was on, when people are looking, that's when I usually screwed it up. And we, we perform, right? When, we, when we're, at, we're, we're trying to perform, and a lot of us come, grow up like that, where we have to kind of earn the friendship of the people we're trying to hang out with. So it's not unusual that when we come into the Christian life, we kind of bring that with us, and we say, okay, well, i got to perform, first of all, for these people, second of all, for this God. And what I produce and how I perform must matter, because that's where I find acceptance and, and, and love and, and, and fellowship. School was another good one for me. Am I, am I acceptable to my peers or my mother or my family? Did I make a grade? Did I make a bad grade? I must not, I must, I'm worthless. Am I a good pastor? So you, you, you know what, how, what do I have to do? You know, some, some, some pastors in their, and 
Sometimes it's me too, if I'm honest with you. You know, was that sermon good enough? Did the song come off like I wanted it to? Did I, did I, did I counsel those people right? Did I talk? Did I say the right words? God, oh man, God, and, and this I'm trying to perform sometimes. And we find our value in that. What Paul is going to say to us here in Philippians, he says, you know what? I had a better performance than anybody. Man, I, I mean, look at my pedigree. Look at all the stuff that I, I mean, look at this. Paul's going to say, man, if anybody could have been good enough, boy, it was me. But my religious works, whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. He says this, What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus as my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them, say it church, garbage. I always love to look up these words and what they mean. Filthy rags, garbage. I like to look at those words and see what they actually meant in the original. And garbage Boy, I'm going to butcher this, but in the Greek, scubula, maybe, something like that. Um, They don't really even have letters in the Greek language. You sort of have to go like this, and what is this, close enough? Uh, But what's scubula? If we find out, we read on. He says, whatever I profit, I consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things, Paul says. And he's talking about his works, and he says, I consider them garbage. I consider them trash. I consider them scubula. Scubula, I think it is. Let's call it scubula. I consider all of my religious efforts as scubula, scubulon, if I could show you that, that I may gain Christ, he says. Okay. And be found in him. Now here's the key. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. Oh. But that which is through faith in Christ. That which is through, say it with me church, faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. He considered his own works scubula. Garbage trash, rubbish. If anyone should boast, it's him. Paul said, it's only by faith in Christ. I can never work my way to please God. I can never stop sinning my way to please God. Hear that again, church. I can never do so much to please God enough. Or I can never refrain and stop sinning enough to please God. It's only the righteousness that comes in with through faith in Christ that I can base my faith on. It's not my works or my retaining from sin. Watch. It's not Jesus plus good works. It's not Jesus plus religious efforts. It's not Jesus plus not sinning. Although these are all good things and productive things in the, in the life of the believer and in the relationship with others and with, with God, they are good things. It's Jesus plus nothing. We've made a lot of rules. Maybe not 613, maybe 613,000 that we make in our lives. 
We make a lot of rules up. God, I'm not good enough. I couldn't, I, I didn't do this. I said that and I shouldn't have said it. I didn't say this when I should have said it. You're never going to be good enough. But instead of taking those words and letting the enemy condemn you, saying, you know what? You're not good enough. Take those thoughts and those words captive and let God use those words to set you free. You try to earn it. You try to, oh God, I want to, I want to do this. I don't do that, God. You can't be good enough. Let those words set you free this morning. Rather than condemnation and and the devil comes at you and says, it's not good enough. You're never going to be good enough. You can't be good enough. Paul says, you know what? I'm not good enough. In fact, all of my righteousness is, is garbage. All of the things that I've tried to do, and I list them here for you, Paul says. It's scubula. Scubula. It's that which is thrown to the dog. Scubula. Am I saying that right, boys? You don't know. Trust me, it's scubula. It's, it's actually a harsher word than garbage. <laughs> it's a pretty harsh word. Um, it's actually translated, really would be dung. D-U-N-G, dung. Excrement. Scubula. If, <laughs> I hope you're all right with this. If scubula had an emoji... It would look like chocolate ice cream. That's the chocolate ice cream emoji right there. It would look like the chocolate ice cream emoji. Y'all are going to say, you're not going to believe what my pastor put on the screen this morning. Chocolate ice cream. Let me get that off of there. Scubula. Scubula would actually look like the chocolate ice cream emoji. And it's, it's, it's harsh, I know, but very literally, scubula is actually the word, it would be like a cuss word. It would be so bad that it would be like, you'd say, scubula happens. Some of you are sinners. I'll see you at the altar. But it's, it's that kind of a, that, that's what Paul's trying to get across, that message. I don't mean to shock you or anything. I'm just saying, I want you to realize that your righteousness, compared to Paul's righteousness, what he had done, is scubula. It's chocolate ice cream. I don't have what it takes. And instead of being something that, that that just says, you know what, I don't have what it takes. Instead of that, it actually frees me because under the grace of God, I don't have to perform anymore. I don't have to, I don't have to, I don't have to perform for his approval. Hear this, church. I can perform now from his approval. That's, this is the key to the message. It's really just a matter of changing a few words. Um, everybody say, but when God... Okay. Thank you, both of you. But when God... The problem is, so many of us say, but when I... Instead of, but when God... See, Paul was totally persecuting the church, right? In Galatians 15, 16, he says, uh, he says this, But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by, say it with me, His grace, God didn't Paul, call Paul because he was good enough. 
God called Paul by his grace. It's right there in the scriptures. God didn't call Paul because he was circumcised on the eighth day or he was from the tribe of Benjamin. God called Paul by his grace. But when God called me by his grace to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, that's when everything changed. The problem is that too many of us want to say, but when I, instead of but when God. We say like this, how go, this is how it goes. And we'll close up with this. We say this. But when I'm good enough, then I can make a difference for the kingdom. But when I finally get a good understanding of God's word, then I can teach a Sunday school class or work with the children. But when I get my prayer life where it needs to be, then I'll be a prayer leader. But when I get the sin out of my life that's been bothering me for so long, then I'll be able to make a difference. But when I get my life straightened out, you see, then I'll be able to be bold at work for, for my witness. But when I get my, my, my marriage back to where it could be or should be, then I can be a spiritual leader to my children. But when I, and the problem is, but when you, you can't. You don't have what it takes. You can't handle this. You don't have what it takes. You are not good enough. And you're no longer, the good news is, take that and say, you know what, I'm not good enough. And you don't have to live for God's approval. You can live your life from God's approval. He already approved you by His grace. You don't need to let the guilt and the failure and all of that eat away at you or I'm not good enough or I'm, I'm just a baby Christian or I feel far from God. or I, God will meet you right where you are and say you're not good enough. Come to me. He says you are not good enough. But Jesus is good enough and he's all you need. I don't need to feel the failure. I don't need to feel like I don't measure up to God. I don't need to feel all of this stuff. Paul said, you know what? I, I, I get it. I understand the performance trap. Look at my resume, Paul says. You feel like you're never good enough. <laughs> the good news this morning is you don't have to be good enough the truth is you're not good enough and you never will be and you don't have to be God didn't call Paul because of his resume or because he was good enough God called him by his grace God's calling you by his grace this morning pastor you don't know how far I've strayed I don't need to know it's not about performance it's about this moment it's about this moment realizing that you're not good enough and you never could be. But Jesus Christ is enough. You can't earn favor with God. You can't. You can never earn enough favor with God. You can't restrain yourself from enough stuff to earn favor with God. You earn favor with God by His grace. You're, you're fortunate in that, in that regard. We all are. Because if I had to get to heaven based on my righteousness and my ped pedigree, the enemy would come at me first and foremost and say, no, 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 no. I know what you've done. And if you think you can earn your way or because your pedigree or that you deserve it or because of your heritage, oh, great-grandma and grandma and all these people, and they were all Christians and they're all in heaven, so I'm going to. 
It's not based on anything but his grace. Not based on your heritage. It's not based on your parents. It's not based on your grandma. It's not based on your children. Just because your children are saved doesn't guarantee you a seat in heaven. It's only by his grace that you're saved. At least that's what the scripture says. By nothing of myself, so that no one can boast. Paul had reason to boast. Some of you in this room have reason to boast. Look at all I've done. Look at all I've done for the kingdom. Don't you know who my family is? I'm going to heaven, baby. Mm -mm. I'm afraid I've got some bad news. You're not going to make it based on your efforts or your heritage or anything else but by his grace. And that only comes, Paul said it, by my faith in Jesus Christ. Let's stand and respond to what we've just heard. If you bow your heads with me this morning, we always like to close the service by saying, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me during this time? Have you been caught in the performance trap? I'm afraid in some churches, maybe the one you grew up in. I'm afraid in some religious circles and, 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 and churches that you would say, yeah, you know what? It was about, I do this or don't do that. And I'll earn my way. Maybe that's where you come from this morning. Well, based on the scripture, it's not, not anything to do with that. It's by God's grace. We have a hard time understanding God's grace because the same grace that's extended to you is extended to the most vilest sinner that may be sitting next to you on your row. And you might not even know it. So whether you're a prayer warrior and you've walked with God and you read your Bible every day and look at your pedigree and look at all the things you do, or whether you're one of those that say, hey man, I don't do what they do. I'm not as bad as they are. Either way, it's not enough. You're not good enough. So with your heads bowed this morning, and I'm not going to embarrass anyone, but I want to pray for you and lift you before the throne. God can still use you. God can work on you. And in this moment this morning, take inventory of what you've heard from the Scriptures and what the Holy Spirit has translated to you this morning. And you don't have an excuse anymore. (laughs) Funny how God does that. He takes our excuses right away. Well, God, I don't have what it takes. He says, you know what? You're right. (laughs) That's good news. Because now you come to me and I'll give you everything that you need. So being brutally honest with yourself and before God who knows everything anyway. We look at these examples in scripture of Paul and Abraham and all these other examples. Isaiah. I could never measure up to that. No, you can't. God says he wants surrender. He just wants surrender. Just trust in him. It's got nothing to do with yourselves. So as we go to prayer in a few moments, I want to pray for you. If you say to me this morning, Pastor... You said earlier that if I feel far from God, I know who moved. It wasn't God. And I've been trying to 
to earn my way. I've been trying to ride the coattails of other believers. I've been trying, Lord, to, or Pastor, to, to, to earn my way. I've been trying to do enough or refrain from enough or perform. And, and it just isn't satisfying. And I don't, I, I, don't, I don't feel close to God. Would you stop performing and surrender this morning? God is calling you, and you know that He is, because I stood where you stand. And I know that I know that I know when I stand there that God is calling to me and wants to bring me home. Wants to give me a, a faith believing that only by His grace can I make it, can I handle it. So if that's you this morning and you say, Pastor, I need to settle this with God this morning. I don't care if you've known Him for two days or a hundred years. Say, Pastor, I've never heard that before in the Scripture. I've been trying to perform and earn and I'm done with it. I just need to surrender. I just need to say yes to what He's saying to me this morning and He's calling me unto Himself. I didn't even ask and I'm already getting hands. Nobody looking around. If that's you this morning, just slip your hand up and say, you know what? That's me, Pastor. It's been long enough. I've heard the message long enough. I can't earn it. I can't inherit it. And I'm surrendering my life for life in Christ. Jesus suffered and bled and died for you so that you can have that relationship with Him. I'm going to look across one time and back another time. And if that's you this morning, say, Pastor, I want you to lift me in prayer. That's me. I surrender. It's enough. I'm not good enough, and I admit that, but I'm trusting in His grace for my life today. If that's you, just slip your hand up where you are. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm just going to pray for you. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Father, you've seen the hands that were raised in, in courage this morning. You've seen those hands, Lord, that said, you know what? I'm not good enough. I don't need to be good enough. I'm going to stop let the de- letting the devil preach to me and saying that I am not good enough. I'm going to turn that narrative around. Kingdom living is like that, God. Kingdom living, up is down, right is wrong, first is last, last is first. And it's no different here, Lord, if we were to say, you know what, the devil's been telling me that I'm not good enough. And God, I'm going to let you speak to that narrative and say, you know what, you're not good enough, but Jesus is all you need. You can't earn it. You can't perform enough. You'll never measure up. Because my standard is perfection, says the Lord. (laughs) God, your standard is perfection. And I don't think there's any of us here, Lord, who can say, yeah, that's me. Perfect. But there's one whom we can put our faith in this morning that lived that perfect sinless life. That was the perfect sacrifice on a cross and bore our sins. So that by grace we are saved. Through faith in the one who died on our behalf. So God, as we seek your face and your, your leadership and your guidance, Lord, through the Holy Spirit. I pray for those, Lord, who said, you know what, that's me, Pastor. Pray for me. And I lift those who have had the courage, Lord, before the throne and say, God, would you help them daily, moment by moment putting their faith 100% in Jesus 
as Paul told us in the scriptures and we read it this morning, it's not anything that I have. In fact, anything that I've done is rubbish. It's scubula. But it's only through faith in Jesus. It's only through faith in Christ. And I just have to mind the Spirit for one more moment as we're in prayer this morning, seeking God. Pray, saints. If there's anybody else in this room who says, you know what, Pastor, I'm putting my faith in Jesus Christ right now. I can't do it on my own. I'm done doing it on my own. If there's anyone else, don't, don't grieve the Spirit, as the Bible says. Be obedient. I will lift you in prayer. And if he's speaking to you, just slip your hand up and say, you know what, Pastor? I didn't say it the first time, but I mean it now. Amen? I mean it. I mean it, Pastor. This is me. I can't trust in my own efforts. <laughs> it's not going to get me anywhere. But I put my full trust and faith in Jesus this morning. If that's you, just say, that. that's me. Pray for me, Pastor. I saw that hand. I thank you, Lord, for working and being alive in this, this service and for moving in real time this morning, God. You never, you never cease to amaze us. <laughs> God, we put our faith and trust in you. Those that have had the courage to say, that's me, God, walk with them, surround them with people who can help them in their faith. I pray, Lord, that your spirit would go before everything that they do and that they would realize, Lord, that they're not good enough, but they can trust in the one who is to get through these hard times and all the days that are ahead in their lives. Father, the goal is to stand before you one day, and we will all stand before you. The goal is to stand before you and for have, to have you say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into my kingdom. Father, there are those who are settling that in their hearts even as we speak in real time. I'm thankful for that. Father, would you be with us as we depart from this service, Lord, and we take part in the meal in the next room? Would you bless that meal, Lord, that it would nourish our bodies? But not nourish our bodies, Lord, for performance. <laughs> Nourish our bodies, Lord, that we might serve you and we might love you and we might receive your grace and your love in our lives. We would have the nourishment and the strength, Lord, to take what we just heard to a lost and dying world and offer them the same hope. We love you this morning, Lord, and we thank you in Jesus' powerful name. And everyone agreed saying amen and amen. God bless you all. Don't forget you're all invited to stay for the Stop the Bleed. If you signed up, that's great. We probably have room for a couple extras if you'd like. Over in the fellowship hall, we'll have some, uh, have some food and then we'll come back in here. God bless you guys.